0: For February 18th, 2019, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 555, Deus Ex Washing Machina. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are disassembling and reassembling the tiny bricks that make up our ideas into ever more outlandish forms. Uh, that's right. We're talking about The Lego Movie 2 this weekend, and I am, uh, I am uh, Principal Business, or Captain, bu- captain Business, <laughs> or what Lord Business. Lord uh, Business, yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, principal business would have actually been fun because it it actually is an English phrase that means something. But never mind, just another in the long list of missed opportunities in the Lego Movie. To, no, I'm I'm teasing. I'm Matt. Rather, I'm here with my good friends and Lego enthusiasts, Peter Fenzel. Hey, Pete.
1: Hey, Matt. Uh,
0: and Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. Um, that's uh, uh, you know, that's that's uh, it's a. It's a it, the Lego movie holds a special place, I think, in everybody's heart because it was, um, you know, surprisingly, it seemed like, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean and kind of unlike Battleship, you know? It it uh, was a cultural phenomenon, cultural property, right? It was IP, uh, I suppose, um, that... Uh, was really deftly handled and turned into uh, turned into an interesting movie, and I, I guess now we are seeing whether it goes in the direction of Pirates of the Caribbean, where the the premise was progressively sold out more and more by the uh, by the franchise as it goes. Um, or whether it turns into uh, like the Battleship franchise. I hear that Battleship Two is actually just the Citizen Kane of board game movies. Uh, the, the, the the upcoming I mean, the as yet unannounced Battleship. II. I mean, speaking of Citizen Kane, like I I want to put the original
2: Lego movie on like a really top tier movies because it was freaking genius. Like it's beyond just like deftly handled, it, which it, it, it certainly was. Um, like. I mean, okay, if you're listening to this, you 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 have seen the first Lego movie, right? But just to like uh, sing its praises for a hot second, and as before, we talk about how the second one doesn't really live up to it, right? Like uh, it it is a perfect sort of like a, an elegant alignment on all sorts of different levels, right? You know the 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 the, the chaos versus order piece is played out. You know, um, like we experienced it growing up. It's played out in the main a story of the movie with the characters and the main conflict that they have. And then the framing device with the conflict between the child and uh, his father. Um, And it all lines up so well. And there's just like the joy of the surprise um, in finding out how everything comes together. It's that's such a rare movie experience and to top it on on, and to top it all off. Right. It's this uh, creative endeavor that everybody thought was just going to be a lazy cash grab. Um, so, like the standard for the first Lego Movie is so unbelievably high that the second one is inevitably was going to fall short. But it's interesting to describe how, in what ways, it inevitably fell short.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I I feel like you can sit down. It, whereas there are some movies where the sequel is, is more cynical than the original, or doesn't have the resources or the time. Or some movies where the sequel attempts to be kind of more of a pandering piece that's trying to kind of. Uh, appeal to the audience in in a sort of lower-brow kind of way, or a sequel is something that sort of takes for granted the original audience and then looks to sort of expand but doesn't really pay attention to whether it stays interesting or good in the ways that the first movie is because it's more focused on targeting future audiences. Lego Movie 2 seems like an effort to attempt to recapture what Lego Movie 1 did, but Lego Movie 1 did so much that Lego Movie Two is attempting to capture that these pieces, right, and assemble them together as if they were Scandinavian manufactured plastic blocks, right? That uh, <laughs> uh, into into a hole that resembles the first Lego Movie, but. The shape of the pieces doesn't fit. They're doing too many things at once. Uh, you, can, you can go through and, and slice a cross-section of the movie, and you can see one for one where it lines up with what happened in the first Lego movie. But, Mark, the word that you used when we were talking about earlier that really struck me is elegance, which is that Lego Movie mm-hmm. 2 lacks elegance in how it accomplishes the sort of integration, which is not the least ambitious sort of goal. Like, Lego Movie 2 is not an unambitious movie. It attempts to do all the things that Lego Movie 1 does. But I am baffled by the positive critical response to this movie as I found the movie to be very messy and I have a wide tolerance for mess in movies. But it definitely disenchanted me. So if it's going to do that, then there's definitely something going on.
0: All right, before we get uh, into the Lego movie too far, uh, let me just talk a little bit about the membership program. You may have heard because uh, really around the holidays I was flogging this horse um, that uh, we have recently revamped our membership program. We started... uh, with we we I, I mean I guess I would say we ever thought it. we started with a whole lot of tiers of membership uh, when we started the membership program uh, a few years ago, and uh, it turned out to be more confusing than it was helpful, and it didn 't help people I, m- I mean I think the the goal of our members from talking to them is to give a little support to the site that that uh, to give a little support to the site that they love um, And, you know, that, that it felt good and, and the extra content that we give the audio stuff in the digital library is a, is a nice bonus that we give to, to the members. And, um, uh, a lot of the bells and whistles and things like that, that we attached to it really didn't need to be there. So we, so we, uh, revamped it and everyone, uh, and sort of squished it down to one tier of membership, which now for five bucks a month, you get some extra podcasts. Isn't that, I mean, that's a, that's a great value proposition, isn't it guys? That's a, it's very clear. It uh, is about what uh, every other podcast on the internet does—the uh, the most beloved ones—and um, we're very very gratified by the support that we've gotten from our members. So um, that's where we're at now. Uh, because the the. Anniversary of Overthinking It came and went recently. Um, it's the first one that I, I was actually in the middle of moving house, so uh, I, I confess I kind of missed it. Um, if I write uh, my annual letter to the Overthinking It community that I've written for the past 11 years, um, I'll backdate it, though, so it looks like I did it on the actual day that I was supposed to. Um, but when we launched the membership program, uh, originally, it launched around that date, and so annual renewals are coming up for people who do who have elected the annual option. So, if you are an overthinking it member uh, the the software has not been super friendly to me transitioning everybody into the new program, so I've processed a lot of refunds for people who uh, renewed early or who are on the monthly uh, Uh, Option or things like this, and I will I will do that retroactive to the time that we announced the new program back in in. uh, last November or early December. And uh, if your annual renewal comes up, it'll happen at the lower rate uh, for the new one tier of membership. Um, and thanks very much for being an Overthinking It member. We're so grateful. We're so gratified by your support. Uh, we aim to be worthy of it every time we step up to the microphone. And uh, it's fun also to do the little extra things that we do uh, just, for the, just for the members. Anyway, if you are interested in becoming one, Overthinking It dot com slash join is the uh is the place to go overthinking it dot com slash join i hear i hear you're supposed to like repeat things three times so that people uh get it into the head overthinking it dot com slash join join all right uh we teased it uh we did our our station break and now we are ready to dive into the lego movie dive into the black abyss underneath our lego table the the you know it's turtles all the way down lego turtles all the way down in the uh in the lego universe here and we are going to um climb down into the abyss and see what we find there i guess the first question i want to ask uh to you guys uh Pete maybe I'll start with you. Is everything awesome?
1: <laughs> you know, things are more awesome than they look. You would think that we would think that things are not awesome. And I guess I guess there's a certain irony, right, which is that the refrain that gets repeated in the movie is that everything is not awesome when in fact it's really hard to land on anything in particular that's going on in the kind of meta text of the lego movie part two that isn't just fine <laughs> you know, right like everything is fine and and yet there's this sense of catastrophe which is forced upon the movie like you know a uh like like somebody who hasn't eaten their lima beans right that, uh, there, there must be a catastrophe that's happening in order for this movie to take place to occasion it but everything seems to be fine uh, and there just seem to be kind of minor quibbles that are taking place that are creating outsized reactions i don't know mark what do you think is everything awesome in the lego movie um for certain definitions of everything being awesome um remember like
2: when what the song itself it doesn't just say everything is awesome full stop It's just everything is awesome it's cool when you're part of a team everything's awesome when you're living out a dream everything's better when we stick together so like in certain scenarios everything is awesome. So I suppose like, you know, in the very narrow confines of like the the Lego characters as they're experiencing the events of it. But yeah, by the time they get to the end of it everything is awesome. So fine and good for them, but like, you know, that's that's not the interesting stuff in the movie. The interesting stuff is going to be more around like the framing device and what is actually happening and 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 more importantly like what is going on in the mind of the child and the children that are experiencing these things um and is everything awesome for them.
0: Right. The, the, I mean, the, the sort of genius of the first movie, the kind of the gasp moment, it was a really good, I think they call it, what do they call it? Like a coup de théâtre, right? Like where something happens that just, that just makes the audience gasp is when the live action part of the, um, of the original lego movie uh came i mean like i i had no idea about it right i i was not forewarned uh at all because it wasn't part of the marketing or anything like that like were you guys surprised or or uh, kind of delighted by the the live action part in the first lego movie or had it been spoiled for you somehow
1: no, it was a great delight. It was a wonderful moment. Yeah. I mean, I was already engaged with what was happening, but when that was real rolled out, it definitely heightened everything that was going on in the movie, and I found it revelatory. It was right. great.
0: Right, and it, and it yeah, it, I totally agree, and it, it sort of worked because you realized it added depth. Like a lot of the—I feel like a lot of kind of metatextuality, a lot of lazy metatextuality adds— complexity without depth or adds an illusion of complexity or as a gesture towards complexity without really adding any profundity Uh, yeah i have a
2: good example of that by the way is the expendables movies like all
0: of them yeah, but I love the Expendables movies. Yeah, what, are I mean, we like, insulting
1: the Expendables movies? I yeah, love the Expendables well, movies. Sure, yeah, no, but the, no.
0: the, the, the referentiality is not necessarily about revealing something I mean, Mark, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that that it's not necessarily about revealing some sort of profound truth about humanity, you know, uh in the Expendables in the Expendables movie. But it it is aimed at a kind of delight uh that I think is legitimate and that I yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, certainly. Um but
1: uh I'm I'm not willing to go by that thesis, but I'm going to let it go because we're not here to talk about the expense. <laughs> I feel like Arnold and Bruce Willis carrying a giant machine gun, riding in a smart car, is saying something important. But I will let it go because we have things that we have to take care of at the moment. Um, the uh,
0: th- what what you realize is that um, the the metatextuality there adds actually adds depth because you realize you've been watching a kind of psychodrama, right? Like uh, and one that one that rings true, and one with with real stakes, right? Like not only is the, and now I guess we're going into spoiler territory. Not only does the father have a like a borderline pathological way of quote unquote playing, like a, a way that he's sort of arrested in certain aspects, and uh, and but but then also like over. Grown up in in certain aspects, like not only is his view of play kind of impoverished and and uh, um, insufficient, but also like the kid is is so hungry for recognition, is so hungry to be seen, you know, uh, by the father, by Will Ferrell, and it's great. Like it's a great performance by the kid actor. I thought. Like I, I rewatched Lego Movie One before uh, watching Lego Movie Two, and like that that does it. Now now here I mean the big the my main problem, you know, and and I I do sometimes kind of hate to start that way, but like my main problem here uh is that the underlying drama, the underlying family drama uh conflict it, it rings false, right? And because it rings false, the kind of the metaphorical world of the Legos is kind of unsatisfying and doesn't you know is is unsatisfying and kind of doesn't hang together into a kind of satisfying adventure story because the thing that undergirds the stakes the the actual reason that you should care is um, is sort of insufficient in that I mean that's my thesis on, on the Lego Movie too agree disagree like uh, have I uh, got it have I not got it have I uh, got it in part I don't know what do, what do you guys think.
1: I mean, I'd agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely I think that getting trying to overthink the Lego movie part two, it poses the question of how would you formulate basically what you just said, <laughs> right? There's like a lot of different ways to formulate it. But definitely the idea of the relationship between the meta text and the text is is off in some way. And and I think a big part of it is that the actual events, yeah, that the, that the family is going through are not they don't feel honest they don't feel credible like one parent would ever threaten their kids with putting their toys into long term storage like that doesn't make any sense that's not something that people do Right? It's, it's like, I'll take right. your toys away. Like, the eight-year-old kid doesn't understand what storage is. Right? Like, it's like, I'll take your toys away. You won't be allowed to play with them for a week. It's not like, I'm going to take away all of your toys. And and it, if you had a character to make this credible, if there were a parent who, if the kid misbehaved, you took the toys away, put them in a plastic crate, drove them to a storage facility. I mean, I guess you could put them in the attic. That's like a monster. That's like a monstrous. That's like, that's like uh it's 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 uh, shadows of Mr. Darcy. Right. It's like you're locking the <laughs> beloved toy in the attic. And it's it's, it's just, either it's either that the parents are being monstrous or the toys themselves are so
2: toxic of an influence that yeah. they must be expelled forever. And both of those yeah. are really uh, uncomfortable thoughts and not at all what the what the movie's I going mean, for.
1: Maybe if the toy was a gun. Right. And it's like <laughs> like an actual gun, not like a an actual gun. gun. An it's actual like gun. I have to put the gun into long term <laughs> storage. We we thought that maybe we could let the kids play with it and that they would be responsible. But they keep <laughs> pointing the gun at each other. And we thought they would learn how to clean it and stuff. But it's not working out. So we have to put the gun <laughs> in long term storage. But the the reaction, the person most upset about this would be the parents, not the kid. Right. Like Like if you are a parent and you have to put your kids toys in long term storage because they can't because if something has gone wrong i think you should be the person who is sad not them uh because that's messed up and they can't think on that time frame <laughs> like uh, and that and that was that was a bit that's, that's one big part like numero uno of why the family situation in lego Marvel movie part two doesn't make sense is i'm gonna put the toys in storage numero dos is that the only thing that we know about this family prior to this movie is that the the you know, patriarch of this family, however negligent and stupid he has made in this movie is an obsessive collector of Legos. <laughs> and, and the idea that in this movie, his wife will just casually take away all the Legos and remove them from the house is just fundamentally absurd. Right? Like it, it reflects just a total disconnect from the previous movie, which I guess is fine. And with this movie lampshades by making him an idiot, uh, but it's like the, be like the whole movie, Lego movie, the, the psychodrama of the first Lego movie required the family to have an adult in it who is so obsessed with Legos that he didn't want them to be played with, but he wanted them to have, be looked at. And the second movie it has parents who are very casual about Legos and doesn't particularly care about them. In fact, doesn't even refer to them as Legos, which is very strange. Was anyone else really weirded out by that scene where Maya Rudolph was talking about taking away the bricks? And it's like, man, that scene made sense before
0: the brand department got to it. But that's right. But that's like that. That is correct. That is, you know, technically correct uh, Lego nope. nomenclature, right? Because they're not Legos. They're Lego toys and bricks.
1: Uh, yeah. But it, but I get the person who would use that term would not be so blasé about taking away all the Legos. No, yeah,
0: absolutely. The person that would use that term is the Will Ferrell character, who I think yeah. because they didn't get him for this movie, like he barely shows up. Right Or he's just off screen. I mean, and what a fact that they uh, a fact that they also lampshade by putting his uh, his like uh, uh, credits uh, card in a speech bubble, you know, Um, but that's a yeah, it's right. But then but that like bad parenting aside. (laughs) Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not just bad parenting. It's impl- it's implausible. Right. But anyway, go ahead. Go Yeah, ahead. sure. It's it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense as a punishment. It doesn't make like what is the point of this? Right. Is the is the uh, question that you have more than anything. But like bad parenting aside, the relationship between the brother and the sister sort of rings False, right? Right. Like, or the or the goal of the bad of the kind of the maladaptive, um, the maladaptive toy deprivation strategy, which is to like make two children at completely different developmental stages kind of mesh you know, harmoniously and sort of play together, and that, like, this is the only way that the parents are going to allow the children to have their toys, like, you know, as, especially with a uh, adolescent, as a, a kind of, you know, nascent teenager who is going to be concerned about things like privacy and, like, stay out of my room, and, like, you know, all of that stuff. Um, that it just... It just rings false. And Pete, you had a good theory as we were discussing preparatory to this. You had a good theory uh, about why Legos would be uh, a medium for this kind of misunderstanding.
1: Yeah, because the idea is that Legos are a toy that a- appeals to a wide group of people. It's a toy that little children like. It's a toy that teenagers like. It's a toy that adults like. And not just in a weird, creepy way, like they might like, you know— uh, like a like a sort of eighty year old man with a collection of American Girl dolls, right? Like, no, no, no. I mean, like, people enjoy playing with Legos. Wait, is that weird? The- is
0: that weird or is that good? I, I don't. You know what? <laughs>
1: you know what? If you're that guy, we want to hear your story. Well, let us know. I don't want to condemn. I don- I just judge not lest ye be judged. Which I should not. I should not be judging American Girl doll collectors. Uh, but I-, I will say, well, I say that there is an archetype of adults playing with toys that casts the adults as weirdos, whether that's justified or not. But I think in general, Lego tend to rise above that a little bit. And and it's sort of understood that adults will be fond of Legos uh, to one degree or another. But the reason for that is that Legos are a toy that allows you to play with them in a variety of ways. It's a toy that's versatile. It's not that it's necessarily a toy that appeals universally. It's, it's not like... Uh, it's not like James Earl Jones talking to Kevin Costner about baseball in Field of Dreams, right? Like, baseball is the game of America, you know? And, and this idea that everybody loves baseball for the same reasons, no matter how old you are, no matter who you are. Baseball is magic. If you build it, they will come and they want to come equally for all the same reasons, right? And this is a, a fantasy about baseball. In fact, uh, people who do like baseball like it for a variety of reasons. And a lot of people don't like baseball, perhaps because it does not invite a variety of reasons to like it. Uh, in the same degree as certain other sports uh, as a baseball person who likes baseball. I find that kind of tragic. But the, the point is that like the way that a little b- baby, you know, the, the, the little girl, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Pierce, is that her name? The girl from Fro- uh, the Florida project, Brooklyn. Uh, is that, is that her? Uh, is oh, that is her that name? It, She's Prince. Brooklyn Prince, Brooklyn Prince, right? Yeah, that's her. That's the little girl in this movie is Brooklyn oh, wow. Prince from the Florida project. Who's wonderful, wonderful actress. Um, and, but she's eight, Right. And the brother, Jaden Sand, is 15. Is an 8-year-old and a 15-year-old. Watching the movie, I thought it was a big age difference. I didn't even think it was that big. But that's huge. And the idea that an 8-year-old and a Yeah, the, a fi-
0: the yeah. actor may be 15. I, I think he was supposed to be younger, right? Like yeah. he, he had to have been like supposed to be 12 or 13. But even that is a pretty substantial difference in developmental stage. I mean, it's the difference between uh, uh, grade school and middle school.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I mean, it's a difference between, you know, like, when am I going to drive a car? It's a difference between do you fundamentally hang out in the house or outside the house? Uh, Like, are you allowed to leave the house by yourself ever? Right? Like, it might be uh, maybe other people were allowed to leave the house. Uh, Before age twelve or whatever, but it's like it's so different. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's it's opposite sides of the spin the bottle line. Clearly, you know what I mean. There it is, and that's like, and that line is like important developmental. And you can't really, you can't really play like if if you leave kids if you if the parents were to leave and like leave the kids at home alone, it would be like watch your little sister and care for her, not like you know, not like hey guys, engage in some sort of like imaginative activity together because they're so you know
1: yeah well you should be building a uh, popsicle stick picture frame with your sister and it's like mom i am running a bitcoin trading operation i'm not making popsicles that's only litecoin it's only bitcoin cash and dogecoin that's rex right Rex, rex is totally
2: into crypto um, and and to the point of like kind of the developmental phase of of the boy, right? Like you know the the fact that Rex is there, that's like that like toxic male adolescence that is trying to be held at bay by this. But we'll talk more about Rex in a little bit here. But like this fundamental concept, I don't want to um, uh, go further without addressing the fund one of the fundamental core tenets of the Legoverse, as we've seen them in what the Lego Movie, Ninjago, and the Lego Batman movie, is that it's okay to have these separate realms. It's like a feature of the system, not a bug. Right, right and right. like you know so like the 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 brother can have his world and the sister can have her world and like there's nothing that's like really truly compelling to bring them together other than again like the the family psychodrama which for reasons we've already described it d- doesn't ring true so like that was very like disorienting and and, and confusing in uh, for me um so I, 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 and there might be some other broader uh, thrust for that for the future Lego movies, but
1: from what I understand of it, it's like well, why why not
2: have them be yeah. separate things?
1: So, so like and to and to walk that backwards because of course the Lego Movie Part Two is built like Star Trek Discovery Season One in that like ah, all the <laughs> no <laughs> it is it is right did I did I break did I pop that party cracker too early um, <laughs> I like ganglia but,
2: yeah. we're we're, I, we're all still I think like. In, in ptsd from like having to write all those uh, freaking recaps for, for yeah. season one no, was I'll, so disappointing that's what, <laughs> that,
0: that by the way is what broke overthinking it that's what <laughs> shut us down star trek we we like we lived through so much yeah. and uh and star trek discovery is what really just broke us as a as a website that published articles yeah.
1: so so to to remove star trek discovery from the conversation um Because because you don't find out that this is the reason for the conflict until later, which is that there is a moral impetus to make the different Lego worlds into a unified cosmology world with people traveling back and forth and communicating more with each other. Um, Because this this need doesn't feel authentic to how Legos are played with. uh, It is not something that you can anticipate as being necessary. Right. And and as such, when it pops up earlier in the movie that the worlds are separate and there's going to be some big marriage, the idea of like uniting the worlds isn't is big, partly because it needs to be reserved as a surprise for some reason. Right. Like nobody says, oh, we're going to have a, a big marriage to unite all the Lego worlds like at the beginning of the movie. You could have said that in the movie, I think, would have worked a lot better because you at least would have had a clear idea of what the stakes for the characters were rather than the sort of meta stakes of the forced apocalypse that must happen. The portal that must open uh, in order for whatever sorts of random nonsense to come through it one way or the other as if this were a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Right. It's, It's there's there's a portal. Uh no, it's it's the characters are going to this wedding and, and the characters have been kidnapped and taken to this wedding. Why does the wedding need to happen? The wedding isn't explained. Uh, and the reason for the wedding isn't intuitive because the underlying real world behavior that it corresponds to isn't intuitive because that's not how playing with Legos, at least to us, feels like it should be right. Like it is a strength and a feature, as Mark said, of Legos that you can separate them into different Constructions, right? You can have this Lego thing and that Lego thing. You don't always have to mix all the pieces with each other, and that's on purpose. That's good. Uh, you can mix them if you want, which the Lego movie explored, right? But uh, but you don't have to. And the idea that like if you don't, you've done something wrong, is is really important to this movie, and and totally ignored for the first forty five minutes, which is just really really disorienting and takes away a lot of the sort of suspense. That would otherwise underpin the sort of development and causality of events that are happening so, over the so, course of the people. Oh, you go, Mark.
2: Yeah, I guess the moral imperative comes from the toxic masculinity angle, which I was talking about earlier. Right? It's like Does it
1: though? Um, I mean, I, I know what you I, mean. I, no, I, I'll I let don't you say think it. So. this cross sections.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, l- let me put the theory out here, and and Pete, tell me why this isn't not correct. Um, <laughs> it's that okay? So the brother is uh, uh, all, is on the precipice of adolescence and we don't want him to become Rex who is like uh, just all about toxic masculinity this kind of like you know uh, primal raptor forces that go out and just destroy stuff we don't want him to do that and instead, the model presented is essentially like the more nurturing. I mean, I'll say it like the 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 the, fem, the stereotypically feminine uh, qualities that we see that the sister does, and that you know she's trying to have you know form relationships, start a family, bring people together, that sort of thing. And that's the good stuff. And then the bad stuff is is Rex and his lone wolf. Attitude again. It 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 doesn't map well to everything else going on here. But Pete, like, what are the things that are that are are wrong with this idea? the,
1: The problem with this idea, in in my opinion, is that this is so. This is the sort of metaphysical bad. Of this movie, although it's a sort of Schopenhauerian metaphysical that exists in the material of the bricks and is not sort of dualistically separate from the bricks. In that in the first movie, the metaphysical evil, the Schopenhauerian evil is the crackle, right? And the, the idea is is that the father wants to crazy glue the bricks together so that he can preserve the city that he's built, he's put a lot of effort into as a collectible, as a sort of sentimental piece rather than as Legos, right? And what is it that is that Legos do that is ruined by the crackle? Uh, You take you don't just build them. You take them apart and you build them again. Right. Right. And so this is elegant because it refers to a human angle, which is the sort of reluctance to change and this sort of this sort of loss of generative creativity and adulthood. Uh, If you if you kind of turn away from the possibility of new things, which here is represented by the opinions of your children and your sort of your children as people. Right. Is that if you if you exclude the idea that your children are people and you have children, then you've kind of frozen this generative capacity in you and you kind of remove this creative dimension from your life and legos much like parenting lives in this creative dimension this movie uh the the matchup doesn't really work because the the way that it is represented is that building things is good and breaking them is bad right but of course as we learned from the first movie Taking Legos apart is necessary in order to build with them unless you have an infinite number of Legos. And it is entirely possible that these children have too many Legos. I, one thing I didn't notice in this movie, they have a lot of Legos. These kids are, like, very spoiled with regards to the amount of Legos that they have to play with. Uh, like, that's an—those are enormous and very fancy play sets. You know, but, 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 wait, wait, wait. I
0: wanna, I'm sorry, I want to drill into this a, a little bit. I, yeah. Sorry, to hold, hold the oh, thought yeah. that you have in your head. I think that because manufacture of all kinds of things has become cheaper, middle class kids today have more toys than we grew up with, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Because that, because it's not, a toy is not 50 bucks anymore. It's like nine ninety nine dollars on Amazon, you know? And that like completely changes the dynamic in terms of volume, uh, volume of toys, you know?
2: As a general point, I think that's correct, just so like, uh, you know, I have like a, a the five-year-old niece who loves Legos, and they ain't cheap, to be clear, right? You know, like a modestly sized, you know, Star Wars vehicle thing is still going to be like 40 bucks or something like that. So it's Fair not enough. like, you know, com- completely, you know, disposable uh, you know, without a second thought, uh, purchase type of things. But the broader point still stands.
0: Yeah, brand name stuff like Lego, I guess you're going to pay a premium for. And brand name stuff with premium IP, you're going to pay a premium premium for. Right. right. Anyway, so, sorry, sorry, yeah. Pete, back to you. Like, for example, the Raptors from Jurassic World, which you've put in your Lego movie, which are
1: brand name premium premium <laughs> stuff. So so the movie is drawing the connection. It's the whole sort of like male, female, women create and men destroy old chestnut right and this idea that masculinity that's rooted in destruction is bad uh, and feminine energy that is rooted in creation is good uh, and and that's fine though in this case it also represents it, it goes farther and it says well everybody can participate in both sides of this you can have a feminine energy that's destructive and you can have a masculine energy like the hearts that explode and you can have a masculine energy that's generative and creative like Emmett of course in in much the same way as wreck Ralph uh, wreck Ralph's the internet the feminine destructive energy is presented as positive and the masculine destructive energy is presented as a problem that needs to be just stopped uh, but uh which is weird right and and kind of like a little bit too uh, it's like not it's two of the moment but it's very of the moment and it has to be kind of considered in context of the moment i think to make sense but 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 the main the main idea across all of this is that like i don't think it rings true to the experience of playing with legos wherein like taking things that are built with legos apart is a pleasurable activity that is necessary in order to build other things with your legos And so, like, and the movie, and and because you don't know what the movie is about, because they haven't told you what the plot is at all, halfway through the movie, Rex is presented as an alter ego for Emmett, who's kind of necessary to complete him, because Emmett is a builder, he has the build aspect, but he doesn't have the destroyer aspect. He can put things together, but he can't take them apart. And and Emmett's character development is that because Emmett can't understand taking things apart, uh, he can't understand adulthood, and he can't understand the pain of other people. So while while as Emmett has a great deal of kind of kindness and compassion for people, he lacks a certain amount of empathy because he doesn't understand suffering and loss. And the idea is that by playing with Legos and taking the things apart that you've built, or that other people have built, you can come to understand and participate in this idea that like loss and gain and kind of creation and destruction are not, you know, a one-way street, but a cycle and something that everybody goes through. And so, and you can have a deeper understanding of other people. This is like how Emmett's character development is presented at the beginning of the movie with regards to wild style and her emotional needs that are not met which is like Emmett, you're this child you need to become an adult and she presents this idea of adulthood which is kind of crazy and like if you were to compare rex with um a Apop- Apocalypseburg, rex has a much kind of healthier more positive attitude when he's first presented towards kind of like aggression and destruction and creative destruction than Apocalypseburg does, because Rex does everything. Like He's like, I'll do this job, and then I stop. I do this job, and then I stop. I'm a a cowboy. I'm a fireman. I'm a dinosaur herder. I do all these things, right? And the idea is that he can't do any of them for any long period of time because he's a destroyer, not a creator.
0: Right, and And, and the whole thing, and and in Apocalypseburg, uh, it's like everyone has a mood disorder.
1: Right, right, right. And so I think that the beginning of the movie presents the idea that like, both Apocalypseburg and it's and and Wildstyle, because Apocalypseburg reflects Wildstyle's heart. Like Wildstyle represents that aspect of the kid, of the son, right? And we're gonna speak about this like it's freaking, you know, Christian theology. Like the son thinks this, the daughter thinks this, the mother thinks this, the father thinks this. But the son, I don't even know if these characters have names. Has Wildstyle is an aspect of the sun that ha, feels grief and loss and and angst and just and destruction and pain, and Emmett is an aspect of son who feels creativity and kindness and generosity and cre- and wants to sort of build things, but hasn't come to terms with loss. And Wildstyle and Emmett are supposed to be together uh, in, in a sort of like uh you know cosmic gender binary thing right which is of course you know you know you may be or may not be a fond of gender binary but the lego movies have a lot of it uh and since because it's like male and female creation and destruction let's conflate that by making the woman the destroyer the man the creator but they still have to kind of yin and yang with each other and kind of include itself each other in each other and that Emmett goes on this visit quest where he very clearly meets an aspect of himself that he has not integrated into himself yet right it's like it's like fighting dark link <laughs> you know you have to get to that next level um, you have to face yourself in the mirror, right? And, and that's what it seems like is happening. But then there's the twist that no, Emmett never needed that aspect of his personality. The real problem was Wildstyle, right? That Wildstyle had, had did not accept Emmett for who he was, and was too caught up in the ideas of loss and angst. When really she should be unilaterally committed or totally committed to positivity, happiness all the time. That that the only emotion that Legos are appropriately used in communicating is happiness. That when Legos are used for the communication of other emotions, they are being used improperly oh. and need to be removed and put in long-term storage. Oh, you <laughs> but, know
2: what's key to that is the reveal at the end that Wildstyle sang on the Everything is Awesome song.
1: Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. Hmm. (laughs) it's like it's 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 just like the movie it does feel like it's different movies that have been spliced together and the and and i think that that if Those ideas that are – you could also say, okay, looking at the end of the movie, I know what the ideas are really supposed to be, so let me go back and recontextualize the beginning of the movie so that it fits those ideas. And I don't really buy that because when I'm watching the beginning of the movie, it gives me a very clear idea of what the movie is about. Even though the actual plot elements are muddled and don't make much sense and aren't that engaging, like the themes of the movie are very clear. Uh, they might be lies, right? But the whole thing is fiction. So, like, it's not like the lies that come later are necessarily more true than the lies that come earlier with regards to how they register, right? And and so, like, and it all it all has to do with Legos and how you play with Legos, or bricks, I should say. How do you play with the bricks? Uh, and, and, and I guess the answer is, like, you break them apart. I mean, here's, the, here's the other thing, is that, like, when the brother and the sister play at the end of Lego Movie 1 and the Duplo aliens invade, right, well, first of all, does that not suggest that the very Lego company itself is committed? To bifurcating the brick sets for different age groups because they play with different toys. Like the mere existence of Duplo uh, precludes and and disproves the entire moral message of Lego Movie Part Two,
2: right? Which is yeah, that Duplo because the and, pieces yeah. are fundamentally incompatible. Like not yeah. fundamentally, but like it, it, they're not totally compatible. I mean, maybe like, they by are design, now. You, they've changed you can't it.
1: Maybe that's the whole point: is that now you can play with Duplo and Lego together. But like in my day, you sure couldn't, right? They might have even been made at the same company at that point. But like, yeah, yeah, but like. When a child wants to play and the child wants to smash things in their play that's not bad you know and and smashing things with the child is not is can be like a fun way to play with them if the issue is that the brother and sister aren't socializing the play in which like the sister plays the alien invaders who always invade her brother's city and the brother plays the defenders who always fail at stopping the invaders that's like a perfectly fine game that's exactly what you would want right like and and i I mean it's not what the brother would want all the time because the brother is older and wants to have his own time but like I don't think that 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 the content of the game of the apocalypse alien invasion game is actually consistent with the themes that we're being told that it represents, which is the same thing with the whole creation and destruction thing. We're being told that taking Legos apart is a sign of psychological failure. And like, and, and, and moral evil on a, on a cosmic scale, right? Like, that. Like if you take your Legos apart, you are a bad person, you're a bad citizen, you know, you, you are bad for the universe, right? Whereas you, taking Legos apart is a necessary condition to putting them back together again, right? So, like, what's the point? And also, we are shown, we are told in the later half of the movie that if someone makes an offer to you of playing an alien invasion game with you, uh, yes, maybe you can turn it into, like, a reconciliation and fun and friendship game, but if you don't if if like if the kid the child is not really capable of understanding that concept or isn't interested in it like are you supposed to yell at them and get them to change their mind like what was the thing that the kid was supposed to do if not exactly what happens which is like i shot you with a laser haha lasers don't work on me oh no right it's not like this is stupid. Lasers have to work. This has to have consistent rules. And it's not like you're being too violent, you know, little girl. Like you need to stop playing in this way and and stop crushing things and stop be- feeling destructive. No, like it, it's all like first half of the movie, second half of the movie, end of Lego movie one, recap at the beginning of Lego movie two. Huge disjointment across all of these things. Sorry, I get very heated. Yeah. In about I want to, ask, to unpack Ricks animated CGI. Sorry, I want to un-
2: unpack one specific aspect of uh, of the disorientation here, which is the the, the confusing misdirection with the uh, the sisters alien uh, thing and the queen. Right, yes. there's that whole musical number. Basically, it's like you know, um, I'm not evil. Ha ha, wink, wink. I'm not here to do terrible things to you. Ha ha, wink, wink. And it turns out, like they lampshade it later on. It's like, what do you mean? You thought that you were being serious all the time? We thought that you were, um, you were trying to deceive us. Um, how does that fit into our local framework, Pete?
1: I mean, what I would say is that when that song happens. It's a temporal reading, right? Right, Matt? It's Stanley Fish. Although it's like really clunky Stanley Fish. It's it's like uh, it's like duplo block Stanley Fish. Uh, <laughs> and you know what I'm
0: talking about, right? Yeah. That's uh that like at the well at the the Stanley Fish argument, I guess we should say for for people who have not read Surprised by Sin or or, you know, any Stanley Fish is that um your interpretation changes and develops over time. It's almost like, it's almost like advancing a video frame by frame. You know, you can watch the whole video and have a, you can watch the whole film and have a uh, coherent take on it at the end, a, a reading of the film that, that um, sort of accounts for it theoretically. Or you can kind of go frame by frame or like at element by element and say, okay, how is my reading right now? Uh, how is it developed based on what just happened right what do i what do I think is going to happen next now and then that that uh that is altered as you you sort of go on it 's also um what did Bart call it in in uh, S slash Z? Uh, the hermeneutic code, I think, the the code of like figuring out. But um, so so the one you know canonical example of this from Milton is uh, the first line of the unsurpassed, and unsurpassable greatest work of literature in any language ever: John Milton's Paradise Lost. <laughs> The uh, yeah no I mean what what are you laughing for Pete? You think you think that's a bit? You think I memorized? <laughs> <laughs> you think I memorized that phrase and repeated verbatim every you know dozen episodes or so for a bit just for a laugh? You think I'm exaggerating my position for comic effect? Shame on you. Um, the first line of Paradise Lost is of man's first disobedience and the fruit. Now, okay, what do you imagine is going to happen next, right? Uh, Well, okay, one common uh, pattern is one common thought pattern is cause and effect in in narrative, right? So he's telling you what the story is going to be about of man's first disobedience, original sin, and the fruit. Of that disobedience, right? And the metaphorical fruit, the result of that disobedience. Um, That's a a reasonable assumption to make about what's going to come next, of man's first disobedience and the fruit of what he did, of the bad thing that, that Adam did. But no, of man's first disobedience and the fruit of that forbidden tree... Whose mortal taste brought death into the world, right? And so the Stanley Fish kind of temporal reading school is like, ah, Milton's playing a a, a sort of game here with your expectations, right? And that, like, um, that, it, it, b- believe it or not, this connects up to the Lego Movie and to the uh, and to the uh, Princess Whatever Wanabi, uh, you know, character and and what that what that song is about um the uh the idea of a fall you know which is the central plot point of um paradise lost is figured in a lot of ways uh one is the fall from metaphorical to literal you don't get a metaphorical fruit you get a literal one of man's first disobedience and the literal fruit not metaphorical of that forbidden tree, right the fall out of the poetic into the literal, uh, another is the fall from one line to to the next the the sort of dropping down typographically you know is sort of allegorized uh, in this particular way, and it is no it is no accident right that the moment of confusion or the moment of kind of playful uh, misdirection happens at the line break. Anyway, yeah. The, the, here so, endeth. Here endeth the lesson on John Milton's Paradise. <laughs> Paradise Lost for today. So at the moment that oh sorry Pete you are about to say what I'm about to say. So you go. You,
1: no no go no. On. You you could go for it. I was going to give an another example. Oh please to bring it. Yeah. Give the other example. So so here's another
0: example. I'll give you an example right here. I'm going
1: to read something to you right now. Um. The Death Star has been destroyed. A group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden bases and are pursuing them across the galaxy. Right. And then uh, thousands of remote probes have been dispatched into the far reaches of space. Darth Vader is obsessed with finding Luke Skywalker, right? So think of that, right? Think of the order that I gave you that information. And now I'll read the real crawl from the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back, right? It is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy, Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. So what I attempted to do in the first reading was give you the same information, more or less, that is in the crawl of The Empire Strikes Back, but in an order that puts the positive things first and the negative things second right? Like, you know, uh, the, the Death Star has been destroyed, right? Luke Skywalker has a new secret base. Darth Vader's looking for him. Uh, the Imperial, and, and, and the tone and the, and the idea that you take from it is fundamentally different, even though the content more or less, right? I'm changing the words in other ways to make it fit, is more, and the information you get is more or less the same. And that's because you you're understanding each piece of the information independently as you get it, Uh, And they do connect, but there is that moment as you move through each piece of information where that information is the thing that is ringing in your brain like a bell. It is a dark time for the rebellion, right? Just the the name of it, the Empire Strikes Back. It's not called Luke Skywalker's hidden base, right? Like like, uh, the Empire Strikes Back. It's a dark time for the rebellion. They have to put that before because if they started out with – the Death Star has been destroyed. Then you, the first information that you have is that is one of triumph, right? And the Everything movie really, is yeah, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they want you. They, this you could rewrite this into being like you know, Rebel Alliance is awesome. Luke Skywalker's part of the team. Rebel Alliance is awesome, and they're flying through the galaxy, right? And Darth Vader is yeah. chasing them, and General Grievous, and and then it goes off the rails. But but um, but instead it's like darkness badness right like you know although you think this is happening really a bunch of bad stuff is happening now i'm going to give you the information that's positive and and the the way that this and the way this functions in the context of the lego movie is it tells is that when the queen is telling you sarcastically that she's evil <laughs> which is what that song is doing right it's it's a sarcastic song about being evil and saying you're not being evil they can say later that she didn't mean it, but it doesn't matter. Like you experienced in that moment this queen singing the song about being evil. And I guess you could say, well, this puts you on the same side as the protagonists. You're just as dumb as they are because, because you also thought the queen was evil. But the movie gave you every reason to believe the queen was evil. And because the information that you get later... In a work of fiction or poetry or nonfiction, even just in terms of how you experience it, yes, it revi- it's a continual revision, but it's not like it replaces it. It's not like it can fully go back and replace the experience you had earlier. You experience in sequence as it develops.
0: But the, and, the, and so, yeah, yeah. The the other thing, you know, the other thing that I guess I would say is. Um, I'm not pausing for a fact. I've, the, the other thing I guess, I guess I would say is that a, a better movie would reveal the insufficiency of your first reading on a second viewing. And, you know, listeners, if you go back to the Lego Movie 2 a second time, uh, if you do two Lego Movie 2s, but uh, like, I'm curious to see how you experience that song again. My guess is that it's exactly the same right because it really is telegraphing the idea that she is actually she is actually evil and that I'll bet you would not find secret coded messages about uh about how she's actually good right i'll, right, right. I'll bet like i'll bet there is not enough ambiguity there's not sufficient ambiguity introduced into the um Introduced into the the musical number to kind of make it work uh, on a second viewing.
1: Yeah, I'll give you another example. Here's a counter example, right? Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. Right? Like, that's the crawl from Phantom Menace. The order of the information that you get is totally wrong. Everybody gets disappointed at that second sentence, yep. right? The, the taxation of trade <laughs> routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. No, <laughs> right? No. Let's reverse the order, right? Uh, let's see. So turmoil has—we can even start with turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic if we want, right? But, if it, but even if we just do it backwards, right, like uh, two Jedi Knights— the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy have been dispatched by the Supreme Chancellor to settle, a co- to settle an interstellar conflict. The Congress of the Republic endlessly debates while the Trade Federation has, has uh, blockaded the planet Naboo with a fleet of deadly battleships. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute turmoil has engulfed the galactic republic right it is it is much better just to read that information backwards (laughs) right like (laughs) and maybe if you watch the lego movie backwards like it were a beatles album uh lego movie part two backwards then you would really get it and it would really make sense (laughs) but yeah i i don't think it tips its hat i mean you could say that there is a kind of intersectional casting thing going on with uh queen whatever she wants is what she called something like that uh she has like a, one of those fake not
0: that's like it has words in it names right that are like uh like yeah, our it's, it's, it's queen whatever i want oh our, our momageddon brief digression why is it not <laughs> Mammageddon? Yeah. Why, why is it our momageddon like our mom Ma- no one ever why is says it not
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about Ragnarok? What about Leg- what about the go. Book of Legolations? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? Why? How come? How come the? Uh, how come the the sister stealing the Legos and the son wanting them back? Is it invoking the Mayan calendar and the end of the world? The uh,
0: <laughs> like it's it's interesting. It's whatever whatever I want to be queen queen whatever I want to be or princess whatever I want to be. And it's uh, it actually that is a more authentic essentialism than the you know than the kind of the 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 politically resonant uh, women create, men destroy um, essentialism, right? Because the sort of the classical difference between, you know, I don't know, let's call it yin energy and yang energy is that um, yang energy is assertive, intrusive, thrusting, you know, but leads, yep. to, but leads to stasis, right? It like, it's not that like, cause there, there is, you know, there's a reason that, that, uh, Destruction precedes creation, right? Like the, the, in sort of cyclical cosmologies, right? The, the, the destruction is a, um, necessary condition for creation. Like, disorder is a necessary condition for imposing order. If you impose order on order, you're just, you know, wasting effort. But um, right. the sort of the yon the on energy, uh, the, its strength is that it's assertive, its weakness is that it, it leads to stasis. Um, the yin energy, its its strength is that it's generative, its weakness is that it never goes anywhere, right? Right. And so... Like, the rock climbs the skyscraper, but Nev Campbell turns on the fire response system. Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> just to you know take a completely random out of example out of just yeah. out of thin air um yeah. that that you know that that is the that's the canonical essentialism of you know sort of gendered energy if you're if you're into that kind of thing you know right. and it can be a useful without making it like politically normative it can be a a, a useful conceptual tool for talking about certain kinds of tensions and probably yeah. shouldn't be shouldn't be completely thrown out and you know Princess Whatever I Wanna Be actually represents um actually represents the uh the right you know the kind of the right essentialism, the right kind of feminine essentialism, yeah. if you will, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it's uh because it's generative, it embodies both creative creation and destruction, taking apart and putting back together and all that, you know, all that sort of shape shifting. I, I think that the the sort of the masculine essentialism embodied by, uh, um, Rex, Captain, Captain by, yeah. Uh, captain, captain by Chris Pratt, like divorce, Chris Pratt. Yeah, right. A, exactly. By born divorced, again, Christian, Chris yeah. Pratt, but, yeah. But, but divorced dad, Chris Pratt, Captain <laughs> yeah. stubble. I was going to call yeah. him maybe like, um, is that like it, it leads to, is sort of, it leads to a stasis that is, uh, that is isolating, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And it's, but it's it's kind of asymmetrical warfare because the kind of the downside of the yin energy is never fully. uh, It's just because Princess Whatever Want to Be is so integrated as a character, right? She's whatever she wants to be, like she's got identity, you know, and 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 um, you know, also sort of uh, shape shifting a little bit, and that and and she fits into what the Lego Movie One says was the the. the strength of Legos, which is a kind of poly polyglot uh, or polymorphous you know um, character that you can put the the western guys in the middle of the pirate scene and you can and that actually that 's sort of beautiful and and very nice but the the uh, you know the Rex character is so one dimensional and also doesn't really i feel like doesn 't really talk to, doesn't really talk to the sort of struggles of adolescence, right? Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's almost more like, it's almost more like a loser, older brother in his twenties trying to give the kid advice rather than a future version of the kid, rather than the kid choosing between two versions Um, of himself, especially since the kid is so identified with the Emmett uh, version. It's not like... And, you know, we've talked about Eric Erickson on the the podcast before. Um, When... I guess when we were talking about Ragnarok... Maybe, or I, I forget the the podcast that the, the Marvel movie that brought up the psychoanalyst Eric Erickson and his developmental stages, but the mm. adolescent one is uh, identity versus role confusion, right or fidelity to a sense of self versus versus role confusion, right so like who am I versus uh, uh, disorder and um, and that that like uh, uh, and, and actually the parents forcing you to kind of conform to a certain view of your identity is very, um, disorganizing for it. Uh, very disorganizing for a, a teen. Um, for for an adolescent, because it it leads to to uh, is dysregulating because it leads to different ideas of of who they are. So I don't, I, you know, this is what I mean by the this story, this story wasn't really fleshed out, and it required a kind of like Deus ex washing machina. Uh, <laughs> you know in the in the end, in that scene underneath the underneath the dryer, where sort of the rules of the universe that we've been invested in got suspended because the the whole idea is that what's going on in the Lego world is an allegory for the imaginative play or the psychodrama of the human characters, and that's not. That's not that, because it's not a believable internal struggle for the kid, for the boy. um, And it's not, it doesn't reflect uh, any of the dynamics between the brother and the sister either. And the fact that, like, all of a sudden underneath the, I was so grateful when the, the, uh, when Wildstyle showed up and the, the kind of the Lego world was regenerated underneath the dryer, because then at least we were in sort of familiar territory. Like, when you're walking on, those uh, Lego sheets you know with the bumps on them, then your your uh, full character with agency um, it just doesn 't uh, it, it just didn 't ring true before that they like can stand up and talk underneath the uh, uh, underneath the dryer
2: yeah just to be clear right the, um, what we see underneath the dryer, Rex just straight up says it almost like it's a throwaway piece of dialogue that what what 's happening here is just like the internal psychodrama of. A of an adolescent boy, of a pre-adolescent boy. But that's more or less the line of dialogue. Um It's so, not the but, internal but it, but it's, but it's psychodrama so, of a pre adolescent
0: boy. Not. It's not like, hey, do I choose to be a douchebag or do I choose to be a uh, do I choose to be a chump? It's it's no like Hey, I, I may accidentally act like a douchebag in order to, you know, talk about, withstand the intolerable psych, psychic pressures that I'm under, or because I have terrible role models, or because, you know, I, I think that it solves some sort of tension or psychological problem that I have, or, or some, you know, relational problem that I have, right? Like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's is disappointing.
1: Yeah, it's – I wonder if Lego Ninjago was better. I didn't see that one. Uh, Lego Lego (laughs) Batman was was surely better. That was totally sweet. What do you guys think of Batman's role in this movie and inclusion in this movie? Do you think it was one of the better turns in the DC cinematic universe? <laughs> he has that I mean, sweet Liberace cape. I mean, we talked about kind of the the inter we talked about masculine and feminine energy, and it's certainly worth at least mentioning that, like, Liberace-ing up Batman is part of how this movie. I mean, it's not like the movie isn't trying, right? <laughs> like the movie is trying to interpolate these traditional ideas of masculine and feminine yeah, energies. Or, or glittering into a up mixture. Superman. Yeah. Yeah, glittering up Superman. And they're trying to mixture it into, and not saying that it necessarily associates with either a person's biological sex or their gender, right? That like Superman can be silly man. It can be covered in glitter and it's fine. Even though when we're introduced to it, it's like the nightmare scene from A Wrinkle in Time, right? Or for like the Stepford wives or something. And we're given every indication that we're supposed to think it's bad, uh, right? Like, uh, but but it can be fine. It can be good. And so the movie is doing that. It's just like, maybe it's just this idea that, that it, it it does this work differently for other people that they can see these kinds of cues out of order and not feel the earlier cues and their significance for their own sake in their experience of the story. And I don't think that that's, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like I don't, I don't think that's how it works. I think it's sort of like it comes from sort of stepping back and looking at a at a cork board that has a bunch of index cards on it as like a static piece of art. Right. That's like, well, the, the storyboard, right, the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie and the storyboard coexist next to each other, whereas it, but in the movie, they follow in sequence. Uh, and in that sense, like glittering up Superman isn't presented as a positive thing. Even though the movie is making an argument that glittering up Superman is a positive thing, uh, and, and so yeah, I don't know. I kind of wonder if you could recut it into a different order and, and it would be better, <laughs> a, or, or if you put the uh, adolescent boy into an actual crisis, right? Like, what if the what if what if that what if instead of the stakes being like you stole my toy and. Uh, and, like, I have to, you know, I have to go steal it from my sister's room. You know, what if the kid is, like, bringing the Legos over to a friend's house or something and gets lost, right? Or, like, the friend abandons him and he ends up, like, under a bridge playing with his Legos, right? Like, then you see what it's like to be alone, right? Then the play of the Legos mimics the experience of the kid, right? you know, then you start understanding what it feels like to be an adolescent boy, right? Like, uh, not like, oh, man, I've been briefly inconvenienced. I better go buy a cassette tape of music that was made 30 years before I was born, (laughs) right? Like, uh, you know, it's not like they give out, they don't give out, you know, White Snake best of, you know, uh, mixtapes to you when you hit 13 if you want to be a jerk. Right. It's like, it's not, it's, <laughs> adolescents say, believe it or not, probably have their own culture yeah. and were they to become jerks would not become jerks from 1984. The devil, right? like, the devil you say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I, 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 think we can leave it there on that, that this note of confusion. So thank you both for podcasting with me. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to the members for supporting us. If you would like to join their number, uh, go to overthinking it.com slash join. We'll be back next week with more overthinking it podcast. Till then, visit us, on the web at overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably Probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve
1: Is the song still stuck in your head? What song? That song that got stuck in your head. That song. You know the song I'm talking about. The song that got stuck in your head?
0: Yeah, not ringing any bells.
1: It's the song. You know, the song that gets stuck in your head. Let me, let me refresh your memory. This stuff's got to get stuck inside This stuff's got to get stuck inside you. No, 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 no! I was talking about baby shark doo 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 baby shark doo 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 baby shark doo 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 doo, Lego baby shark. Yeah.